Welcome to another episode of Beans and Mash, a podcast dedicated to innovation and great conversations in digital strategy. So before we get started, I'm going to talk about just the Internet of Things. And this environment is great. We talked about everything from all these early, early adopters who were talking about how your fridge would tell you how much milk you have. Then we get into the situation where now the two machine-to-machine concepts are happening where we know along the pipelines uh, where the, the, the stressors are. Uh, to shipping, you know exactly where anything is when it's moving through this, this large machine-to-machine kind of thing. But now the humans are starting to get involved. We're, we're down at this, this per person level where we're actually starting to see that the individuals at home are starting to engage with the, the new side of this. Everything from locks in your doors to garage door openers to the idea that you can control your lights. That just seems to be the simple part. Uh, your, your alarm systems, those things. And we're, and we're starting to try and bridge that gap. But I think the, the Internet of Things is this idea that it's sort of a catch-all phrase that it seems familiar um, and everybody wants it to be something, but it hasn't really taken itself to that next stage. And so I guess that one of the conversations I want to have today is just how do we see it fitting into our business? How do we see it fitting into our clients' businesses? And more importantly, what's it going to do for us? It's, it sounds like it's awesome. It sounds like it's got tons of potential. It sounds like it's already here. It's a question of uh, the vulnerability along the way is how do we get people thinking about it in a new way and understand that it's actually being implemented in all the businesses that are already happening behind the scenes. It's a question of how it makes its way up to the, the front line. So today I've got Brett Tackerberry, uh, BVO2's IT director here, and I got Eric Goodwin who is our uh, ongoing uh, co-host for the Beans and Mash episode. So, so Brett, maybe you could give me uh, a bit of a, an indication of what you think IoT is. Give me a, your, your sort of your uptake on it. Sure. The Internet of Things is the connection of everything. And that means everything's addressable. Everything can be either talked to or listened to, listened to, uh, to sense it or to actuate, to make something move. Gather data. Do something. Gather data or make it do something. But you can very specifically say, I want that to do something. I want the information from that thing. Okay. And so does that populate, populating that data, does that allow, is it like controllers? Does it have to be controllers? Or is it just the, the sensing opportunity? Well, it, it's both because you want, at the end of the day, you want it to do something. You want it to make your life better, simpler. So it actually has to ha actu actuate something. So that information's coming in, but it's coming in so that you can either trigger or make a decision or do something else. So it's, smart data on top of it. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it creates an ecosystem of decision or it, it creates an ecosystem of um, automation making your life better. Well, it's interesting because in a lot of this stuff, it talks about um, the sensors, but the sensors going further than just being uh, a physical thing. Like, I don't want to know the sensors there. I want to gather the data and then do something with that data or advise me on that data. Now, Eric, you and I talk a lot about that, about how it's, it's capturing data in the background. I want it to know when I'm in the room, but I don't want to have to tell it I'm in the room. I want it to know what time of day or what experience I've had. Exactly. That smart light bulb. Might as, if it's already talking to the network, it might as well have an occupancy sensor built in. So it knows if you're in the room at all. Because if it's just shining lights on nothing. Now, Brett, you've, you've yeah. done some you've done some tinkering in this space, right? I, yeah. I, I use the hand gesture in the air, tinkering in this space. Um, you don't really tell a, a an engineer that he's tinkering, but the idea is that you you've gone in and played with some of this stuff, and you're sort of an early adopter of IoT. Maybe you can take us through some of your own personal experience. Sure, it started for me uh, a number of years back, uh, investing in a Kickstarter project called Ninja Blocks. Um, you know, of course, it didn't ship until a year later, but once it did, um, started tink tinkering, experimenting <laughs> with it. Um, and, and so what I've ended up doing is creating a ser series of sensors and actuators. And so I have, um, you know, um, I played with 
uh, motion sensor to turn on a lamp. And so the lamp inside that is a, a radio uh, actuated relay that I can control. These are all Wi-Fi connected? Well, actually they're all radio connected. So there's, so the Ninja Blocks itself is on Wi-Fi and I can connect that, that's connected to the cloud. So I can address that controller from uh, anywhere really, because it's, you know, whether I'm connected to 3G or internet, it can see the Ninja Block. Now the Ninja Block itself has a kind of, a, has a network of radio um, actuated or radio signals for sensors that it can read from and tell things to do. So. Um, it's kind of controlled network within. Are they pre-scripted or do you script them yourselves? Well, um, there's rules. It's all pre. It's it's all. It's an open system. So this is a kind of DIY system that allows you to start with the home automation. So I script the rules. I tell. I say these lights. <laughs> it's the new on. man's version of Meccano. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I say these. Yeah, exactly. And so I say turn these lights on here and turn them off here. Uh, or um, I have an iOS app that allows me to turn uh, open my garage door. So what sort of data do you get from this? I mean, you're, you're building it, you must be looking at the data as well and, mm -hmm. and saying, wow, if I script it this way, I make it do that way, I tell one piece to understand what's happening, my garage door openers, I want the sprinkler to turn off kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I have this stream of seemingly useless information though. And so, <laughs> <laughs> your door is closed, the door is closed, the door is closed. I mean, but but there is, you know, for every the dozen devices I have, they're all sending in, information in. It's sending information in 30 second intervals for days and days and years and years times 10. So I have this huge stream of information. Am I storing it all? No, I don't have any use for it uh, right now because I just don't, but I use it for triggers. So if something comes up, I trigger something. And so, but the information isn't going anywhere though. But your, your, your engineering mind must be looking at this going, okay, so yeah. how do I turn this data, as we all do with our, many of our projects, turn this data into knowledge and actually turning it into some sort of advisory wisdom so in the future, it's going to actually give me, I'm going to collect enough algorithm data about you mm -hmm. uh, or about our engagements, and then eventually it's going to become wisdom and something you can do with it. Um, is that sort of the intent when you when you look at this, when you're, you're tinkering with this? Is it because you want to see how the data will inform the next ninja block? Yeah, well, I wanted to make my life more automated. I intended to, I intend to know more about how I move around the house, how I use the house, how you know the environment affects my house, to make it more automated, to make it smarter. I eventually don't want to walk outside and water the plants. I want them to be watered if they're dry at a certain time in the day. And that's, you know, I will get there. And and it's from that data. And eventually, you know, I'd like to know that uh, when, you know, uh, predictive, you know, I want, I want to know eventually when will be the best um, time to uh, plant, plant this or plant that. And because, it, I want to be able to analyze that data, and, uh, and the technology isn't quite there for that DIY big data kind of play, but um, the, the sensors are certainly there. Well, it's interesting. They're saying the early adopters are really focused on uh, connected home, I say they, everything I read, which seems to have exploded in the last three years, and then in the last six months just can't, it's everywhere. Uh, and even people are challenging the term, is it even broad enough to actually handle everything? But home automation seems to be it, or connected home. Um, the connected health networks, we're starting to see yeah, car segment getting involved really heavily. Uh, are, you, are you learning from the, the tools that you're looking at? Are you seeing this happen in some of our customers? Are we seeing those people come and talk to us? Because I know we deal with everything from transit to healthcare to museums, uh, even the, um, the Axial uh, platform. They've, they're building 
beacons right into the platform to be able to engage in museums and cultural engagements. Like it's built right into the system awesome. now at the core, at the API level. Mm -hmm. So are you seeing this start to become more of a um, an ongoing request or is it too early right now? I say early adopters with home mm -hmm. automation. But. We're certainly seeing it in, in transit. Uh, I mean, it's been in transit for, for years. Um, the, the concept of taking all this data and making decisions with it. Um, to for the use of the transit authority, not yeah. for the use of the, the public, though. Industrial, absolutely. It's been in use in industrial for ages. Uh, and that data being used in aggregate, but as well as in the moment to make triggers and react to a problem that's been sensed. But even in transit, for the first time, you're able to see how often you use the transit system. You know, you can see approximately where you were going, things like mm -hmm. that. It's the kind of data that they have. I wish it was a little bit finer resolution. Yeah. But because uh, in some places you have to tap in, tap out of a, a thing like uh, BART down in San Francisco is like that. You because you're paying by the station, so you go in, you go out. So their data must be amazing because they they know exactly where a person is going, and yeah. that's everybody passes, day fares, everything. It's yeah. pretty cool. There are other sensors right now even to do that. Um, it's then it comes down, so then you have other interesting um, factors at play there about, the, well, A, the technology being in place, um, possibly uh, privacy issues, privacy security issues that haven't been dealt with yet, so you can't quite expose that information to the public, but it is there. Well, that's, a, that's a great jump on, though, the privacy and security issue here. Mm -hmm. How deep is that? Like, uh, where are people at with that mentally? Because Gardner was saying that privacy and security is the number one reason people aren't jumping on this. They're, they, they're just still freaked out. Yeah, absolutely. They're, I think the more sophisticated, say maybe twenty five percent of uh, you know population that are even even them, they're just starting with these the systems. But they're only like so only so many people are starting to think about what is it you know what kind of data are they are they are they collecting? They again yeah. are the, the you know the companies collecting on us, and you know there is so much data um, that's being collected. You know um, even on the consumer uh, pieces like the Nest. It knows when you're home or not. You know, uh, it, the bus systems know when you step on a bus and know when you get on, where you get on and where you get off, especially if you're using, you know, any sort of um, uh, device that's connected to um, an identity. Well, it's interesting, the Nest system, you talk about the different platforms, you know, you never had these conversations, the controllers, the centers, Bluetooth, Nest, all those things that are being played into. Uh, the Nest device that I have in my house is I've got the, the, the actual temperature, but I've also got the yeah. carbon monoxide one. And it's interesting. You don't realize it's actually tracking you, but every time you get up in the middle of the night, it actually, the hue turns on. So it actually yeah. acts as a nightlight for the entire family as it moves through the house. Mm -hmm. Now, which is interesting, it knows exactly what time I'm up. Yeah. So it, it should actually start my coffee machine, which is I'm really, I'm really hoping we're going to get there. And it's not far from that. It really isn't far from that because all that is there is that connection to the company that makes a, the coffee machine. All that's required there is partnership because you know the coffee machine's already connected to the internet. Yes. And the Nest is, and the Hue is. I mean, they're already connected. And so all it is then is like, hey, can I, um, you know, what's your API? What's your API? Let's talk to each other. So let's go to this. Is it open platforms? Are you seeing this open platform conversation? Because I know there's been a fight going on for the last couple of years. Everybody's trying to figure out, this consortium's been put together. There's an IoT council now. Yeah. People are trying to find their space. It, it, what do we know What's about these people that? either building, they're fighting to build a platform. So it's like, look, we've got our smart home device. That's actually a brand, but in the general <laughs> sense. Uh, and then, you know, and here's our 32 offered devices. And, you know, here's our iOS app and here's our cloud thing. 
and that's it. You can buy that. And that's where that's where a company like Control 4 used to be. You know, it was early on. Like they, they've been selling that stuff for 10 years now. But I think it's time to move that past this like platform stuff where it's all closed into more kind of general ecosystemy kind of things. And, uh, you know, the, we saw that in, in phones. Everybody wanted the best phone, build the best phone. And what turns out with the best phone was, was just this like generic piece of glass that opens the world of, of third party apps. Sure. But, the, so, the, but we get this situation where, you know, you're talking about Bluetooth versus, uh, Zigbee and Z-Wave. Yeah. Raspberry Pi, all these other guys that are coming out and trying to build this platform. It was the race to build a platform now, or are we past that? Or is it, it, do you think that we're, is security still the issue because the public domain and the house controllers and the car controllers and the health, con- the health controllers, they're all going to be, you want them low cost emitters um, like we're using with some of the beacons technology. Yeah. Uh, you want low cost emitters that you can put into these homes and it's really easy to, to sort of get into. How do you convert yeah. a home versus have a home built with it? Exactly. Well, and Dramatic get that, shift. That, that cost of entry. Like what's the first couple of systems you buy? You need, they need to get that price to a point where it's reasonable and then you can upgrade. Like, like your first three Hue light bulbs costs you like almost $400 Canadian because you have to buy a couple of the light bulbs and you need this Wi-Fi adapter thing. Right. So, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a hurdle. And the question is, is, is that going to talk to other devices in the future? Look, I've got a whole device lab full of the whole <laughs> technology, let me tell you. And Brett started that device lab. And so Brett, technology yeah. wise, are, yeah. is the, is the, the issue with, privacy around the platform layer or is it just is it are the platform layers getting there like are you seeing an advent of of these because you talked about five or six different uh, platform layers yeah so the security is there and so any platform that has come into play in the last 10 years includes security includes encryption because that's you know it's it was the de facto 10 years ago with you know the advent of e-commerce 15 years ago and 20 years ago so um, security is there and high encryption is required. Anything that doesn't have it isn't going to be a player. And so the new technologies have that, but then they have reliability. But then there's also, you know, the new, um, not even new, but the required other elements are low power and, you know, like you said, low cost. The, the, the cost of um, the lower barrier cost of entry is finally getting there. So earlier adopters of Hue will be slightly perturbed when we see, you know, the next era being half the price and so on. And so the prices come, price comes down eventually as these manufacturers generate the inroads to make them uh, at lower cost. Um, but yes, it will be the, um, what's going to really, you know, uh, it's the consortium so that will make it um, more palatable so that you don't have to have one company that builds a whole ecosystem. Isn't there an open group? Isn't IBM and Samsung and aren't they all part of a consortium right now? There's big consortiums, but then there's, there's there are big consortiums, and they're talking about what it all means. But they're not they're not all talking at the same you know about the same thing. They're just talking in general. They're talking, hey, we should probably be interoperable. But then there are more strategic partnerships that are forming. Um, there is we talk about you talk about X10, well the, the newer ones, Zigbee, Z-Wave, you know even Wi-Fi. The newest one that was just re- released uh, announced last year is something called. Um, Thread. And it was introduced by Nest Labs, Google, um, and but then on came Samsung, on came uh, Arm, on came uh, Freebase, uh, on came all these other ones. Um, 
that will uh, help solidify it. Help solidify because they're all yeah. manufactured of all the other components. There's semiconductor, there's communications, there's you know um, appliance, and then also Yale losses on thread too. And so this consortium will all then use subscribe to this new technology called thread, and it's a protocol, um, a communication protocol. But it's open though too. And so there's another, and yeah, if we're talking move. about modular, yeah. there's also another, um, you know, there's other initiatives. There's something called OpenHab, which is an open source home automation uh, uh, software that will connect it. And again, they have these partnerships that are already generated. So it's about, it's a systems of systems, which is really going to be the category, you know, there's another word for the internet of things, but that's going to be the categorization. You can't have one player in the space. It's going to have to be these companies talking to each other. Yeah, this the strategy here is really interesting because we're seeing digital marketing becoming a big a big concern, a big play in this privacy space. Um, we talked about having all these different platforms, but imagine the data we're connecting now, uh, the personalization that we're already getting from Google on the place place based advertising is huge. Google now is in our home. It's now in our car. It's now in our hands. Um, I have actually don't have a big problem with that. Uh, not because I'm in the industry, but because I actually appreciate what it's doing. I've always been, I've been waiting for the last five, six years for it to actually do something for me. If I have to actually say yes to a Yelp ad one more time, no, I want you to actually tell me is it a good restaurant or is it not a good restaurant. You know me well enough. You, you know me, goddammit, tell me what I want to eat. Um, but yeah. Show me a restaurant I want to eat at. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think this is really interesting the way that the, the IoT is now, I love the fact that it's becoming more open in that way. I love the fact that pieces are, pieces are jumping on. I love it, the fact that it's actually in our hardware stores. I love the fact that it's in Indigo Books and you go in there and there's pieces across the, the wall saying you can buy everything from a helicopter to a rove to now you can get a sensor and put a sensor in your garden and it's a temperature yeah. sensor that actually helps inform your nest yeah. internally how it should adapt and change. So this is, this is a great thing. How do you see our customers, besides trends, yeah. I mean trends is obvious, and I think I think if you think about um, museums, I think museums are struggling here around how do they use beacons as an IoT sensor, right? They're like, mm -hmm. okay, I know we have the opportunity. I know people have handhelds. I know people are in the space. I know we've got Wi-Fi now. But also asset tracking, equipment monitoring, yep. patient tracking. So it isn't, it's not just about people visiting a hospital. It's about the, the stuff that's in one. Sure, and, absolutely. And that maps over back into museums as well because they have... They have a couple of assets, I think. They, really kind of, they want to try. They should. They should. Yeah. You know, but interesting enough, you know, um, our Canadian Human Rights Museum, um, they don't have a lot of assets comparatively. They're mostly about a digital really? experience, and it's, it's a seamless digital experience, but most people will never be actually go inside the museum. They'll actually travel through, whether it be digitally or actually physically. There's an experience where they recognize they have to create that, that seamless integration where the two are connected, and, and they're thinking about this, the IoT space. So, so... Uh, I'm, just, I'm trying to fit as much as I can in here in this conversation because it's not often we get bread on the show. If you're thinking about uh, this early adopter, we got uh, identities now, basically every item will have an identity. Mm -hmm. is, there, is there an infinite number of identities we can have? Or like, do we, do we have enough identities if everything that we have here has to fit onto a network? Um, do we have enough identities for that? Is that... Who can do quick math? So Thread is only IPv6. Yeah. So something like Thread it will only be IPv6, no IPv4. So it's only, oh, I don't even know the math, but it's... It's, it's big enough to basically address everything everywhere. Yes, exactly. As long, so. as, as, long as we are only one solar system or so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we'll be fine. Many, 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 many zeros. So 
doing this, we got the machine to machine side, we got the early adopters, we're talking about the house, we're talking about the connected car segment, health. Those are all places that we're engaging. You know, uh, you and I are speaking at a conference around uh, car sharing. Uh, you're speaking in the next week on IoT and mobility and the integration of that. Um, you talk a lot about this idea of this invisible invisible connection point where you start to pull these pieces together. Um, is there a utopia for, utopia for resource planning? Like if we think about the energy, the traffic, the climate, the health, imagine, I'm not sure we need more of stuff. I'm not sure we need more. Yeah. I, I think that if, you know, you talk about resource planning at your house, if you were able to say only water, don't just water at five o'clock every day. Only water when the dew point is this, when it hasn't rained in this many days, when it hasn't done something or it's needing something. Imagine if you could do that for all crops, all energy, all traffic, all climate. Imagine, we, could, we could change some serious, serious thinking about how we use energy, mm-hmm. which is, you know, one of our, the, the, it's been our big problem. It's going to be our even bigger problem. It's not about creating more. It's about not wasting what we have on the grid. And we know that from CEA, right? Well, yeah, on the grid, uh, in transit, um, automated cars promise to reduce the number of uh, the, re- the requirement for roads by um, like three quarters. I mean, this is like the amount of space that's in our <laughs> inefficiency on our roads is it's all caused by humans. The, you know, humans cause more. Damn those humans, Eric. This is your engine yeah, in, Eric. Damn those people. <laughs> yeah. When you look at like a place like San Francisco, which is some of the most expensive real estate in North America, under this massive crunch for, for living space, is, is like 50% roads by surface area. Yeah. So rip them out. So you're yeah, so rip them, out. <laughs> rip them out. Flying cars. So what you're saying <laughs> is that resource management, yeah. you think that that actually, you know, it, it could. reduces. It reduces. So electricity usage. Uh, resource, um, whether it be yeah, the, the the food, fertilizer, all that for um, for uh, gardening, but not just gardening, like farming. You know, um, electricity uh, and um, and you can imagine in an industrial setting this being used to control uh, people or um, assign you know a big machinery. Uh, you know, there's so much. It's, it should you know the one of the promises is that it will. Um, be a cost savings. Yeah, and I think that's why I've seen so much uh, the articles I'm reading. I've think, seen so many of these large industries come online and say, "Wow, resource management." At one point, it was about putting as much into the resource grid as we could, and now it's like, "Whoa, we've got this much. How much waste are we putting out? Mm-hmm. How much waste is coming off the grid from electricity, from energy, from solar? From there's tons that are being created. And this is a real opportunity. I think that IoT uh, from the two levels, right, from the the M to M, but also from this idea that your home-based concepts, if you could change how your personal home energy, if you knew what the data would do for you on a personal level, and it could change for you, and it could change with you, it's not about it, always about a cost savings, about the climate opportunities, but also about how you use and how you, you shift and change. I think there's a real, a real upside to this, uh, and our, and our co- customers and our partners need to be thinking about this as well, about how their customers are going to react to it. Yeah. I think the new generation is expecting to be able to read these sensors and know this information. Yeah, and we're skipping over here in our discussion, we're skipping over the complexity of um, that, that point of decision. That point of decision is based on the intelligence, which is based on the data. So what, how do you make sense of the data that's coming in from these sensors is really, you know, really going to be the tricky point. I mean, the actuators and, you know, this network of connecting things will be tricky in itself and tough, but making sense of the data will be such a, a big deal because not only do you have to um, filter in, you need to input all these different disparate streams of sensing 
but normalize it and turn it into um, actual intelligence. And so it's more than just, it's, it, it's not an easy feat. Um, the big data side of it, it's good. Yeah. And, and that's coming along and companies like IBM are really working on that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and then there's us, you know, somebody needs to look at the strategy of it and how to develop that, that experience so that the users can work with that. And so, so they're, they're right. Yeah. You've got data, you have actual hardware, which seems to be coming along pretty well. We're on track to actual viable products. And, uh, and then there's the user experience and making sure that people are comfortable with it and it can interact with it. And it's, you know, cross-platform and easy to use and easy to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I, think, there. I think the, the, the nice part of where we are is that the, the web, which is what we, we work in and started working in has turned into a splintered environment where it's, it's, it's sort of layers and layers and layers of different types of networks that do different things. And the nice part is they're informing each other. And so the, it's a lack of a compelling business reason that some people are, are backing away that I've seen. Um, we're also seeing that people just don't know how to build a strategy around it. They don't know how to bring in that idea that why would I sense this and then what could I actuate after it? And I, I really believe that that's some of the things that we've seen in the open data work you've done has really opened our eyes and saying, wow, this is the type of information I can, I can parse, sort, and then give the individuals and make a, a change in an individual's life just by opening up data, mm -hmm. right, and offering it there. And then I sort of, you know, there's the, the dealing with the new technology and for every of these service providers, it's like, oh, is this one actually for real? I, I think we can all go around the table. We'll just do a quick closing on this one. But, uh, you know, is IoT for real? Um, are we seeing it? I would say that I probably have 35 devices in my house that are IoT connected. I actually had to upgrade my router and really rethink about my whole network because of the amount of strain and usage and interconnectivity, interoperability. What about you? Yeah, uh, router. I have a new one on order because you know the baseline number of devices connected to my wireless network is now on the order of 18. And that's a tiny little house. Um, yeah, it's definitely for real. Uh, I'm really excited about the immediate future of home automation, things like that, because I've held off. I'm like, Brett, I don't have the patience anymore, I think, for tinkering. <laughs> and so I'd really like a couple of things that work really well. And so, but I feel like it's, it's, it's about to be there. And the, yeah, things like the Bluetooth beacons and the communicate like that, that's already, it already works. Some of that stuff works really well now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's definitely a thing and it's definitely been a thing for a few years. So it's, what's next? How are we building? The, uh, the inroads, the, the infrastructure for that next step. So we should be now collecting the data. The sensors are in place, the infrastructure is in place to take big, huge amounts of data. That's, if we don't know how to make intelligence of it yet, fine, at least take the data. We'll make intelligence of it and the next stage. So the business, uh, business strategy around IoT is pretty huge. This is, uh, it's not just now a tech strategy, it's a business strategy, but how we can actually make the infrastructure work and what you can do to actually make a big difference in everything across your business is gonna be quite telling. Thanks for coming in and spending some time with us this morning, guys, uh, drinking copious amounts of coffee, as we do. Uh, thank you very much for this uh, this topic. It's fantastic, I can't wait. Uh, Brett, maybe you come back after your conferences and give us a bit of an update about what you heard and, uh, and what you're talking about. Eric, as always, uh, thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, we're going to uh, close us off for today, but check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and the bvo2.com website for more episodes of Beans and Mash. Thank you very much.